0: Welcome to the Food Foundation podcast, the award-winning voice of the charity on a mission to change food policy and business practice to ensure that everyone across the UK can afford and access a healthy and sustainable diet. I'm Sophie Lawrence, Stewardship and Engagement Lead at Rathbone Green Bank Investments. I'm one of the guests who spoke at the Food Foundation's Investor Summit, putting money on the menu to discuss how the investment community can transform the UK food system.
1: If we get it right, we have people that are healthier, live for longer. We reduce our climate anxiety. We reduce the incidence of pests and diseases and biodiversity loss, which all come from kind of trashing the environment in a big way and we live in a kind of a world that is calmer and has less geopolitical tensions. Of
0: course food businesses are involved in every part of the food system. They're the gatekeepers to our diets and the funnel through which most of it is channeled. Rebecca Toby of the Food Foundation explains how changing the food system means transforming the way food businesses are funded.
2: At the Food Foundation, we want a sustainable food system that delivers health and well-being for everybody. Um, And to do that, we fundamentally believe that you need to bring businesses and investors who fund and, in some cases, own most of the large food businesses out there. We need to bring them along with us on this journey of change. So investment is really important because, um, you know, I think, the large food companies, the big supermarkets, the big manufacturers, they are, for the large part, primarily funded by large investors. Um, So those investors have a huge stake and role in shaping the decisions and the business strategies of those businesses. Um, but, But more than just that, we know that politicians will follow the money and listen to the money. So investors are a really important voice. Um, in terms of speaking to politicians and policymakers, and and telling them what what we need to do to change the food system and shift the commercial determinants of health, so that the you know we're we're all able to access healthier and more sustainable diets.
0: There are many investors who are already engaged in food issues, but we need to persuade many many more. Following the UN Food Systems Summit and the release of the National Food Strategy in two thousand and twenty one an investor coalition on food policy was created, initially set up by Rathbone Green Bank, with support from Guy's and St Thomas's Foundation and the Food Foundation. The coalition, which now represents over 20 investors with over £6 trillion in assets under management, is focused on the UK to begin with and exists to harness the power of the investment community to engage with policymakers on food-related issues. Over 120 people were in the room last week, including some of these investors, in what we believe is the first investor summit focused on the food system in the UK.
2: So we've got a real interesting mix of people in the room today. So we've got um, we've obviously got representatives from investors, um, a lot of them very forward thinking investors who are already very focused on um, you know responsible investing practices. We've also got representatives from business. Um, some of the major retailers are in the room today. Uh, we've got policymakers um, from DEFRA and also Department of Health. Um, And we've also got the NGO community um, in the room today. So we're really hoping for sort of fruitful discussion and sort of intermingling of ideas and, and thoughts today. I think getting different stakeholders in a room together is really important because everybody sort of approaches the issue of how we change the food system from a slightly different angle. And I think it's really important that different stakeholders hear different views on that, I think what we see a lot of the time is that investors do focus on food system issues, but in quite a sort of siloed approach. So you've got deforestation over there, you've got uh, fair wages in the workforce over here, or sort of healthy food sales over there. But but the food system is interconnected, and all these problems are quite complex. Um, but also the solutions are complex and interconnected. So we want people to start joining up the dots between those different food system issues and solutions.
0: One thing that we can all agree on is that our global food system is in crisis. Around 828 million people around the world are affected by hunger and malnutrition, with almost 3.1 billion unable to afford a healthy diet. Every year, poor health costs some 15% of global GDP in the form of premature deaths and the lost productivity potential of workers. The industrialisation of our food system is a massive contributor to climate change. In the UK alone, agricultural subsidies and production methods prioritise productivity over the protection of nature. And that's already led to the loss of 50% of our biodiversity in the UK. Obesity and overweight affects two-thirds of our adult population, which puts a strain on the health system, and reduces the capacity of our workforce. And all of this threatens our future economic growth and increases the risk of environmental collapse. Professor Tim Benton leads the Environment and Society programme at Chatham House and he opened the summit, telling us that the food system is increasingly dysfunctional. He says it must be transformed to build resilience against a growing number of threats, the
1: biggest issues facing the food system include uh, what we've experienced over the last three years: COVID, you know, uh, outbreaks of diseases that come from environmental degradation, uh, the impacts of extreme weather, uh, geopolitical tensions arising, impacting supply chains. All of those kind of interacting together, coupled with so that's all to, uh, all to do with there not being enough natural resources in the world but coupled at the, at the same time with a need that to get our food systems right for people as well as the planet. So we've got a huge health crisis on a global basis and all of those are pushing of urgent need to transform, to build sustainability, to build more health-giving properties into diets, etc., and to build more resilience uh, so that the food system doesn't just keep on falling down every time there's a crisis.
0: And we can't do it alone.
1: Because it's a system... Everybody who has agency over the system has to play ball, otherwise you end up getting blocking. And if you think about, in another sphere, the energy transition, with big fossil fuel companies getting in the way of switching to renewable energy at the speed that we need to... What makes the big fossil fuel companies change? It's partly the investors, partly shareholder activism, it's partly political pressure, it's partly a whole range of other things. And we need everybody to work from the same hymn sheet. And if you look far enough ahead, businesses are facing the existential crisis that business as usual we know cannot continue in the way that it is. So at some stage, everybody's got to grapple with the fact that things need to evolve and need to evolve quite quite quickly, and the investors are an important part of putting the pressure on the system to drive it in the right direction. We often have conversations where people say, oh, it's down to consumers to change their habits, or it's down to retailers to sell different things, or it's down to farmers to sell different things. But we have designed a food system that incentivizes the production of certain things in certain ways, and without changing the shape of the food system, changing the incentives, changing the taxes changing where subsidies go, changing infrastructure, uh, changing food environments, etc. Without changing all of that, we're never going to get the speed of change that we need to. So it's got to come down to governments helping getting the incentive structure right, to get the markets right, to reward people consuming the right sorts of things in the right ways.
0: The challenges we face are daunting, but there are also unique opportunities for the investment community to lead the way in creating change. According to responsible investment NGO ShareAction, just 100 companies are responsible for over 70% of global emissions. Jessica Attard, its programme director for health and social programmes, explained that, along with their investors companies like these could hold the key to tackling sustainability
3: challenges such as climate change. We find that lots of investors that we work with do really want to help, they want to get involved Uh, and they all have lots of different reasons for that, whether they um, want to do it just because it's the right thing to do and they want to uh, support people to stay healthy and well, Uh, or they want to do it because they think it's the financially astute thing to do, which of course it is as well. so lots of investors do just want to get involved, but there are also barriers uh, to to investors, uh, and that's partly what we're trying to do um, with our programme, which is to really break down those barriers, to provide the support, um, the tools, the resources that investors need to really go above and beyond. For example, in terms of policy and regulation, we've heard from lots of investors that uh, they sometimes feel that the rules and incentives Um, the regulatory rules and incentives don't necessarily work in their favour and can act as a barrier to joining, for example, collaborative company engagements. Uh, So one of the things that we're trying to do at ShareAction is reform those rules and incentives so that we can unleash the positive potential of the investment system for social good. Um, So, for example, we want to uh, engage with the Competition and Markets Authority, um, asking them to... uh, ensure that investors are better able to collaborate uh, when it comes to improving people's health, um, to make sure that anti-competition rules aren't prohibitive uh, for, for those social outcomes as well.
0: The Investor Coalition on Food Policy is calling for all food sector companies to report their health and sustainability performance in a consistent way. This will allow investors to understand the risks and opportunities facing food companies and allocate investment to those companies which are contributing to building a healthier and more sustainable food system. The coalition sees well-designed regulation in this area as crucial to ensure that all food companies are brought along the journey. That is why it is so excited to see the Food Data Transparency Partnership get underway this week. This is a government initiative which will be working with civil society, academia and investors throughout 2023 to develop consistent and defined metrics for food companies to report, as well as agreeing on clear eco-labels for products. This isn't about adding to the reporting burden for companies. Instead, it is about streamlining it to drive the right outcomes with clear, consistent data being reported across the board. An awareness of the risks facing the food sector, such as health and nutrition, are starting to rise up the investor agenda. Jessica explained how ShareAction works with investors to engage with
3: food companies and demand more transparency from them. So we work with lots of big uh, food retailers and manufacturers and our, our coalition of investors essentially engages those companies, asking them to set targets, Uh, to grow their proportion of healthier sales and to disclose uh, where they're at uh, each year uh, in relation to those targets. Um, And so we've done a lot of work with lots of big retailers that you'll have heard of, Sainsbury's, Tesco uh, and and others, um, but also manufacturers. So, for example, if you take Unilever, Uh, we've been engaging with them for a number of years uh, and last year our uh, our investor coalition um, called on them through an investor resolution to set targets to improve their disclosure Um, and we're really pleased that that they agreed and and have since um, committed to to disclosing their proportion of healthier sales across uh, a variety of, of their international markets they have also set a target target uh, for improving uh, and growing those proportion of healthier sales. But that target at the moment doesn't yet use a government endorsed definition, which is the thing we're, we're still calling on them to do. We need to join up the thinking. Often when we work with big companies and we talk to them about health and nutrition and growing that proportion of healthier sales, what we find is that these conversations very quickly lead to uh, sustainability and planetary sustainability. And we know that what is good for human health is also, generally speaking, good for the planet. Um, And so we often see companies agreeing to set health targets Um, But in incorporating uh, planetary targets within that. So, um, for example, with both Sainsbury's and Tesco, I believe, in their most recent uh, sustainability strategies, they include both targets for improving planetary health as well as human health uh, within their sort of sustainability plan. And we see those as being absolutely interlinked.
0: There's a growing understanding in the world of finance that if you're investing for the long term, you want companies that are going to be resilient in the face of some of these sustainability challenges. Jessica explained why we're better together.
3: I think that the Food Foundation Coalition is doing a really brilliant job of engaging uh, on food policy. Um, But actually what we hear is that lots of investors... um, feel that there are rules um, rules and regulations that limit their ability to really drive social progress and to do that in a collaborative way that they can be confident of not conflicting with, for example, anti-competition uh, legislation. Uh, and so we at ShareAction will be focusing particularly on uh, working with investors to ensure that, uh, and, and with policymakers, to unleash the positive potential of Uh, the investment system Uh, and we think there's a really nice opportunity to connect up with the food foundation coalition uh, to strengthen those calls so making sure that the right rules and incentives are in place to enable investors to go further and faster in the coffee break at the investor
0: summit runa christopher drowdale secretary general at the vegetarian society of denmark and director of policy initiatives at the International Vegetarian Union had just come off stage. He told us how working with stakeholders from farmers associations and businesses to other NGOs had paved the way for a landmark deal between the government and parliament in 2021 which resulted in a 90 million euro fund to develop the plant-based sector in Denmark. He explained how it happened.
4: These things are pretty unique, and, and, and this happened because we managed to get a lot of different actors actually on board this agenda. It was a social democratic government. They wanted the right wing on board to make it long lasting, but they also wanted the left wing on board so they were not afterwards accused of abandoning the environment or the climate. But talking all the time about less livestock, less meat, actually makes people more defensive. Uh, so by switching the conversation more to more plant based, investing in plant based, If the especially central left-wing actors, even if you only have a two- or three-party system, but those people who are around that part of the equation in the negotiations, they should maybe talk more about what they want more of and not about what they want less of. Because then you create a more friendly atmosphere where you can actually get, make a compromise. So maybe part of that compromise was really the left-wing Wanting to have less livestock, but ultimately saying okay, we'll stay in the negotiations and support this deal, even though the deal doesn't say less livestock, but it does say a groundbreaking investment in plant-based. That's a compromise the left wing has to do, but but then you do get something through that is really new and that over time will probably contribute to what they want, but in a way which has less conflict.
0: One of the results of that initiative is the success of organic plant protein, an organic food business which produces textured proteins from peas and fava beans. Morten Fenger, chef and implementation consultant at the factory in rural Denmark, showed us around, via Zoom, of course.
5: Right now, I'm standing in front of the main machine that converts this protein concentrate. Then it's basically kneading it, like a baking process, kneading it, and pressure-baking it at the same time, and in the end, sh- shaping it into the various different shapes that we're using. I mean, we we can make so many different shapes with sort of the imagination that that, that is the limit. Um, we Currently, we're marketing um, 12 different shapes. Uh, you're looking at a bill of around uh, a million uh, pounds, and on top of that, you can expect almost a similar bill in, in customization. This is something that's requiring that you either bring a lot of money yourself or you, you combine some, some people with ideas and proof of concept with, uh, with capital that can see, OK, this is the, this is the next level of, uh, of human consumption. This is we're in the middle of the third agricultural revolution. This is, this is just the time to invest. But of course, it requires money.
0: For a company on a mission to save the planet, investment means that they can get on with what they set out to do.
5: The important thing is actually what you start out with, right? Start out with a local produced crop. We're using the yellow peas and fava beans. These are two products that grow in the Scandinavian region. They grow really well. They're mild to the soil. They actually leave the soil stronger than they were planted in the first place because they absorb nutrition from the air. And then they have a high yield of uh, protein per acre. So first choice is to start with something that's actually mild on the soil, Second thing is like, of course, grow it in, a, in an organic way. So many researchers show if we stick to what is uh, by mistake called conventional, uh, which is uh, chemical warfare to the soil, well, then you have at the best 100, hun- more likely just 50 harvests left, then the soil will be dead. This is the future we're looking into. So, so of course, we do organic. This is, this is part of sustainability. And I think the, the vegan movement and the plant-based movement, to some degree... You should step up on remembering how important organic really is in this um, sustainability perspective too.
0: The Danish model is a shining example of what can happen when government, businesses and investors work together on a food system that benefits everyone. Morton thinks the potential is enormous for investors
5: many ideas would stop at that stage ideas right you really need money to to convert uh, ideas and dreams into physical uh, materials into production lines and into first uh, proof of concepts and uh, market entry and then also marketing and expanding the product without investment that, that is not possible you simply need you need uh, investors who see the both the opportunities and also the necessities of this Th- this this is like an, an era where it's, it's very possible to make great investments because you have an entire you have an entire global population which is sort of like in a some stage of denial thinking okay we all know we should reduce meat consumption but what should we eat instead and the good products maybe to some degree haven't been invented yet or have they actually I truly believe that the good products have actually been invented. It's just they just need more marketing. They need more uh, uh, scale up. And isn't this what investors are always looking for? Isn't this the best situation that investors really could be in, that everybody think it's not invented, but actually the solutions are invented. They just need scale. They just need more marketing. This is the best situation investors could be dreaming for. So it's just getting on board, really.
0: For a country which is so heavily associated with Danish bacon – it meant a massive cultural shift to move from pork to plants.
5: We have a huge capacity here to, to produce what is equivalent to a 30th of the Danish pork industry. I mean, De- Denmark's wealth was built on butter and bacon sold to Britain, right? This is, a, this, is, this is the foundation for this country's wealth. The pork industry is huge. So the fact that we're actually building a plant that has the potential to replace a 30th of the pork production, not just the export, but the entire pork production which of course is predominantly export but but the thing is that when we make such a large capacity we are at the same time projecting the next factory because we can just see um with the with the growth rates that we are experiencing we're doubling our revenue every year and just this january here has just been the the best month ever um there is still a little bit of silence before the storm in many ways but it's really um those who prepare uh, for that storm and build the windmills they will they will prosper right
0: back in london Stuart Lendrum, head of product and process at Iceland, is at the Investor Summit. The family-owned food business, started by early environmentalist Malcolm Walker, was born from a mission to disrupt the system. It was the first UK supermarket to remove artificial colourings, flavourings, non-essential preservatives and monosodium glutamate from its own brand products two decades before some of its major rivals – and it worked with Greenpeace on a more environmental freezer system back in 1998. He explained how to lead a business when the aim is political.
6: I think leadership looks like a number of things. One is um, standing up for the consumer and our customers um, in, in what are really complex conversations that can be oversimplified by people who aren't walking in their shoes. Um, secondly, business does have the opportunity to disrupt um, and bring issues to everybody's attention. We as a business have of, business of history have, of that in the past. But equally, I think the challenge is to understand your limitations and, and seek to collaborate and bring other people together to address the limitations within the system. We're, we as a business um, are really comfortable calling for and being supportive of increased regulations and increased government intervention, both at a UK level and globally on issues that we know we can't solve. And it probably, at times, um, isn't something that is typical of business to call for more regulation and more more intervention from the government, but that's something we really see. So for us, it's a combination of the customer um, causing disruption and standing up on issues where where we think we can do that, and equally knowing our limitations, but not letting those limitations be a barrier.
0: And those issues Iceland stands up for include removing plastic packaging, and palm oil ingredients from the Iceland's own label range. Its managing director, Richard Walker, is a committed environmentalist and has led all of its recent sustainability initiatives. Stuart explained how that can happen.
6: I think we knew we were in a position to be disruptors. As a privately owned business, we're able to make decisions that ne- not necessarily everybody else could make. Uh, Richard visited um, Borneo and saw the extent of deforestation and damage that palm oil was causing, both to um, animals and the wider landscape, but also to people. And we have a history of being disruptors. And um, Going back to um, Richard's father, Malcolm, Richard felt that actually we could do this and, and then set what seemed like an impossible challenge because it was only by setting a possible challenge that we could actually disrupt the norm and move away from what had been the typical approach to addressing well-known sustainability issues with palm oil.
0: From packaging to poverty, Iceland's business model reaches right through the food chain. Its customers are among the poorest in the UK. And Stuart says that it's up to the company to be a disruptor on their behalf.
6: I suppose the big one for us is this year we've committed and invested as a business to maintain lots of our value ranges at a £1 price point in the middle of the cost-of-living crisis. And the big part of that for us is frozen fruit, frozen veg, uh, uh, making it really easy at, at a really accessible price point for people to keep shopping more healthily. Our customers have got really limited budgets and have a real challenge every day making ends meet and asking them to think about more and do more Um, would be wrong of us and not fair of us. We've got to do the hard yards for them and make it easy for them to feed their family. And while they're feeding their family, having made healthier, more sustainable choices, but to ask them to be disruptors, they've got too much on their plate.
0: Stuart agrees that this could be a golden age for investors, but there's no time for virtue signalling.
6: Investor relationships are incredibly important to the business. But the, the challenge for all of us, whether you're a privately owned business or uh, you know publicly registered business is we need investors to go more than skin deep in their relationship with us. It's not about spending time and um, checking in on companies to see how are they doing on their ESG scorecard, what's their scope 3 carbon emissions, what percentage of healthy food do they sell. You've got to go deeper than that. And we need investors to spend the time to go beyond Uh, metrics and and data sheets to actually understand the nature of a business and the food sector is not homogenous and each business is completely situational as are its customers so it's about investors building really strong relationships where they invest the time to really understand businesses and then work together to collaborate on shared agenda.
0: Iceland and Denmark's organic plant protein are two examples of how the food system can be transformed with the help of investors. Professor Tim Benton gave a vision of what a changed world could look like.
1: How do we get the incentives in the right place to reward growing more fruit and vegetables, making them cheaper and more available, and putting brakes on some of the issues around the ultra-processed foods, which are easy to grow, can grow in enormous scale, harmful potentially to the environment, harmful to people those should be more expensive and less available and of course that leads to a whole different shape of the food system because prices of some foods will go up prices of other foods will come down it requires us all to be quite flexible but in the long run if we get it right we have people that are healthier live for longer don't suffer the same stresses on the health system. We reduce our climate anxiety because food system is such a big driver of climate change. We reduce the incidence of pests and diseases and biodiversity loss, which all come from kind of trashing the environment in a big way. Uh, and we live in a kind of a world that is, that is calmer and has less geopolitical tensions because we're driving up the demand for food all the time, which requires more land resources, which requires uh, you know national security concerns to come in the way. And then you get tensions about who's going to supply which country, where does China get its food from, etc. And so all of the things that we are driving forward in the name of ever cheaper, more available food are actually making our life worse over decades to come. So we can be in a much better place if we manage to switch it around.
0: So often we think about investors as distant from the day-to-day, but capital really is what makes the world go round. We're living in a new era of sustainable development challenges, which need to be integral to how we do business. And this has created a lot of exciting new roles for people to join the sector, For people like me, who come from an environmental science background, we can try and influence environmental change within investment roles. Morten Fenger, at Organic Plant Protein, says that it's an extremely exciting time for investors.
5: The potential here to change the world is immense. We can solve so many problems at the same time by simply shifting to a predominantly plant-based diet. And investor courage is so important because um, I should also emphasize that although we have a lot of um, public initiatives in Denmark to, to support this industry, it's really run by private investment. It's run by private investors seeing a business opportunity and seeing that actually this aligns with something they would like to see in the world and then just doing it. Then public investment follows up with, uh, with better mortgage opportunities and also some possibilities to invest into some research and development projects. But it's private investors who are running the third agricultural revolution that's happening right now.
0: To find out more, go to foodfoundation.org.uk and click on the Plating Up Progress page under What We Do. There is more information and a link to the Investor Coalition webpage there. Thank you for listening.